Howdy there, folks. Welcome to the Black Pants Legion podcast. We are here with the people of the internet. Um, so to, to the right is Mike, who's on the Brady Bunch window. There are four today. So Brady Bunch. This is a story of this a lovely is the lady. Story of go- I thought this was like Brady about Bunch. Tom Brady or something. Isn't no, like good a- God. Why? Tom Brady. He's a famous golf player. Didn't really make it uh, after 2015. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So uh <laughs> I was going six that. Super Bowl rings, baby. Yeah. So so uh below and interrupting with wonderful snack facts, Mr. Goat, what do you know about snakes? Look, snakes have at least two neck vertebrae. Their neck vertebrae operate on like quantum mechanics where that changes how much of it is a neck and how much is the body when you look it's at it. Quantum pretty. physics. That's how they're able to turn around so that, much. That sounds shockingly believable, so I don't like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, go, I thought you were supposed to be the only snake expert in this chat, dude. Damn. Yeah, oh, we have damn. to find somebody who yeah, knows we, something we, about snakes. I thought snakes. we were going to bring in like a South American snake <sighs> expert. we got to get that up on the screen, Jamie. Wow. Oh, so I'm from South America, so I know all about snakes. I just got snakes crawling into my fucking room. I mean, to be fair, I think out of everyone in this room, I'm the only one who's had a snake that kept alive for the last five years. That's fair. So last but not least, our actual snack expert, a uh, longstanding friend and moderator, and as well, the uh, station owner and station chief of WBPL 76 and the person behind much of the chaos and organized mayhem therein. Good day, Mr. Diggs. Hey, everybody. It's Mr. Diggs. Glorious fucking beard, by the way. Great beards. It's coming beards in. All it's around. coming in. Mike, Mike cast invisibility on his beard. That's why it's every so single time I try to now. grow it. It just grows in these like foresty little patches, and I'm like, you look, I fucking no, hate it. It's great because in about a year, Mike looks like Joe Dirt, and I think <laughs> it's fantastic. I love. You're the only fucking, one. I don't. I don't personally I, like looking I, in the mirror, going, listen, "Wow, there looks there's Joe Dirt. There I am." No, it's I like it because <laughs> it reminds me of like the Southern folk I've met in my childhood, who were just like, "Man, this is my badass facial hair. I drive my car fast," and you're like, "I appreciate yeah, it. First, you're last." Exactly. You you run into people that are like cartoon characters and they're joyful people you meet in your youth. Speaking of joyful nonsense of the youth, uh, today we're going to talk about RPGs, or at least we're going to start. And we're going to try to start uh, doing this thing that I agree with, that we've all kind of discussed in one way or another, which is that I hate how a lot of people shit on the term homebrew. They say that homebrew is instinctively, you know, something like bathtub gin where you're going or it's or it's like it's my it's my special snowflake skeleton king guys yeah everyone thinks homebrew is gonna be shit enjoy what you enjoy enjoy what you enjoy don't shit on other people's enjoyment that's yeah well and that's that's the thing is that like homebrew for me started where all we could afford was like a 3-0 book all we had was the main book and so if we were like what if i wanted to have a gun we had to make up rules for having a gun well Hang on, wasn't Thaco literally a house rule that just got ran on conventions and then Wizards of the Coast stole it? Pretty much. I mean, most most of this is... A, I think that most of D&D, if you went back and did a movie where you said the history of D&D, and I would cast Jack Black as Gary Gygax, but I would well, have... Yes. Yeah, you just have the history of D&D, and you show where he's just making up a story. And there's a room full of people who are all wrapped nerds. And they're like, and then what happens? And then he just rolls dice and he goes, ah, because of this rule, you die. And then someone starts writing that down. 
Yeah, especially after what we saw in The Mandalorian. Uh, I'm like, yeah, Jack Black as DM would be amazing. Well, I remember when Gary Gygax wrote Forgotten Realms. Oh, wait, that wasn't him. That was Ed Greenwood. Oh, yeah, I know. It was uh, Greenwood and the other gentleman I spoke with on the podcast. Um, the gentleman from Wisconsin. I'm for- Grub? I think it's Jeff Grubb. Was it the um, guy who acknowledged me as the greatest Shadowrun game master? Correct. I got I got them to do that on the. He air. must be he must be absolutely correct then. They, he very very correct. <laughs> Cannot be wrong with that kind of outlook. What's yes, funny? Yeah. What's, what's funny is on that podcast they did confirm. Um, they did confirm that the Forgotten Realms and all that shit is basically rural Wisconsin and the Canadian side of the border. Like that's that's all of what that is is their backyard. And I'm the like, remembered part of the Forgotten. Yeah, realms, the remembered realms is literally they just, they just flipped it over so the water's on the left. Exactly. Side, right? And they said if if you if you go into that, that is rural Wisconsin is the remembered realms of Forgotten Realms. So that's really cool to get those little stories out because I had heard that was their inspiration. So in all the homebrews we do, I'm get, we all have our own inspirations. And I want to say, let's go around and talk about them. So Mike, what are your inspirations for the shit you've written and run so far in your homebrews? Star Trek being a huge homebrew because what did you say? Quote, fuck Modifian. I don't want to actually make them <laughs> mad at me because I don't want them to start taking me down. Okay. You know? They're going to roll 2d20 and kick you out. They're going to throw 2d20 and, and very clumsily attack you. <laughs> Very clumsily attack you for indeterminate number of rounds. Uh, yeah, I like. I don't like their systems, but I don't say fuck the company. No, no, no. I, I just, okay, we walked you know that I mean? back. Like, you did not say that. You you expressed aggravation at a number of untested systems that are otherwise present and lovingly presented art and wonderfully presented lore and lots of fine binding that had nonsensical rules that were difficult and obtuse. Well, I often think to myself, because this is a similar problem with this with the setting is any setting really is like if you look at the people who actually write them right like uh, Forgotten Realms for instance you guys all ran something in Forgotten Realms right all three of oh, you oh yeah yeah no yeah no not me no no okay what about just normal D and D yeah right? I've never I've never run D and D I've played in it but I played I don't it yeah like, you've, so you understand like, it yeah yeah you understand what you D&D understand what is, dice right? are yes, yes. No, no yes no. a lot of these these. The shiny math rocks that make the click clack noise. I don't like. No, no. My point isn't about the dice. It's about the fact that every single game that you guys have run, uh, you've made it your own in your own way. That's that's typically how most games are. Even ones that you get directly out of a book, you kind of deviate, or maybe you don't. I I don't know too many people who don't deviate. The thing is, like we have the same exact problem that these producers who make Star Trek or any of these other things do, which is they all think they know what's right for the setting. The thing is, is that we're not so egotistical enough to say that everyone needs to follow our way. That's the difference. And that's what I want to do with Star Trek is I didn't want it. I know so much about Star Trek, but I didn't want it to be like, I have to keep it Paramount canon or I have to. Oh, fit yeah. It. Like, why? <laughs> why? Why would you? There's so much that's canon where you're like, if, yeah, let's let's revisit the episode masks. They have writers that could do that for them. Oh. I don't know. They don't need my. Yeah, they don't need my help. Okay, they don't need my help. I don't want to give it to them either, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm happy running things the way I have it because it's fun. I haven't run anything in a long time either, so I've been feeling that edge pretty bad. Yeah, my inspiration just comes from the fact that we're all just people trying to say, like, 
there's more than one way to run a thing. And we all want to say that to everybody anytime we play something. There's more than one way, at least for me. I have a rule with homebrew that I want to ask if you guys think is actually a sincere across uh, before we continue. And that is uh, the, the rule of substitution, which is if you run into a rule that seems really stupid for no reason, I want to ask if you guys have adhered to this. If you can write a smarter rule on a post-it note and then stick it over that rule and it makes more sense is that allowable or better than existent rule sets uh, i don't think it's a question of being allowable i mean you already have the book who's going to stop you but well right i'm just saying i've yeah. met many people who are say you shouldn't deviate from from rules like that they said you know don't rewrite game rules and i'm like i there's many times like modifius for example where you had to okay well here's the thing at the end of the day the difference between homebrew and official product is that the official stuff has a stamp of approval from a corporation. That's fair. So it's based on the corporation's credibility. Now, with what's been going on with uh, Wizards of the Coast and shit lately, how good has that credibility been lately? Or for CGL, or for Paradox of World of Darkness, or for... You know, pretty much any of the major RPG publications lately. Well, every corporation does rest entirely upon its reputation, and I agree. And I find that there's a lot of very independent people out there who are printing shit that is just amazing for essentially free. Just go have it. I want to write stuff. But I wanted to, before we moved on, I wanted to ask Mike, when it comes to inspiration, would you say that you were ever inspired by Cleveland for anything you did? Your home place. Yeah. Absolutely. The idea. So the thing is with like the militariness of running a game like that, everyone kind of has this vague understanding of military stuff, which is what Star Trek was going for. They wanted people who just have a vague understanding and know what's happening or why people follow orders. But when we're coming from a more on like some more relatable background, at least for me, and I feel like more people can relate with this is like the Miranda class ships in that game, like the Thunder Child. Uh, were essentially uh, like the workhorse, the, the normal people who do anything. I like listening to those stories because everyone who talks about like Captain Picard and Kirk and all these people doing amazing things is great. They have their own show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything's there for them. I'm fed from like what I know in real life. That's what well, I wanted, wanted to, to show, like the working class version of Star Trek. Because I remember one of the things you told me was you said, "Imagine a whole ship of O'Briens." Yeah, the Orion Syndicate is very much uh, like if Cleveland st- wasn't uh, shitty. Oh, he said uh, O'Brien. Yeah, not O'Brien. Like I said, imagine. Yeah, I, said, I mean O'Brien would just be a oh, whole party. Yeah, that would, like, that, that, would be, that would be like a really dirty twister game. Uh, but no, I said green jello, but you can't tell because they're green. It's the, it's the porn parody of Star Trek, but it has really good plot. So Diggs, what would you say are your inspirations? I don't really have a ton of inspirations when it comes to homebrew. I just see systems I don't enjoy and I just make them make more sense. Well, I, what what are your homebrews, Diggs? Well, as you guys know, I'm, I'm primarily a D&D 5e runner. Although yes. I do run a lot of other systems in off times, currently running Cyberpunk Red, doing a Pathfinder 2nd E. I guess my inspirations would just because I get enveloped in worlds that I have experience with and I want to kind of make a place in those worlds for that feels from me. I don't like running things as, uh, as written, but I, I do respect the written because it somehow is easy to tie into stuff that you create. So like if you put a random city between two major points, it doesn't need to be a real city, but it would give you a lot of uh, easy access to stuff people would understand that makes them feel more understanding of your system. 
but not too crazy. Like I don't actually use a lot of homebrew. I mean, I I'll change a couple rules for like ease of access or enjoyment. I don't really have a lot of players approach me with homebrew ideas and I don't really go too far out the bubble of just running an enjoyable game. And I don't really like to like, you know, build up on a whole bunch of memes because I feel like memes are kind of like contemporary. So they get kind of boring. So it's like, Oh cool. We're doing that thing again. So I don't know. It's, I guess it's each their own when it comes to homebrew RPG stuff. I mean, the best I would say is just remove systems that suck and then use like replace them with ones that are enjoyable and easy to understand. I agree. Like I, with the Magistrato Mundanus, Goat and I got under the hood and we were like, okay, I like first edition of this better. I like second edition of this better. And we made a 1.5 edition and it, it works for, we made Pathfinder. We essentially made Pathfinder <laughs> for, for dark heresy with a few conversions. And especially when it came down to gun math, like the gun math is brutally simple, but it just makes everything hurt a lot more and you can't hide behind anything anymore. It's just like, Nope, they can blow it up. Uh, so it makes it very knife fight city gunfights, which are fantastic. It's like one of those gunfights where everything's <laughs> tracers for no reason, but what I'm thinking is just to prove a point in homebrew, I'm fairly certain I can run the sequel to the Magistrato Mundanus and Gumshoe. Like, it would not be hard. No, Gumshoe's fucking easy. Well, imagine if you did something, and it, just as a homebrew exercise, imagine if you uh, took, like, the simple RPG mechanics of Gumshoe, but then the gunplay mechanics of Dark Heresy. So I've actually looked into Gumshoe when I was hoping Matt will find a few alternatives to the 5e charade after what they pulled, like Wizards pulled. Right, right, right. And Gumshoe came up a few times. Is What kind of dice system does that use? Uh, it's D100, because basically what you do is you just have your percentiles on everything. So it's like, I have a 23 in bureaucracy. It's Delta Green. It's basically Delta Green. Without the Eldritch Horror. I thought Gumshoe used Fudge Dice. Is it fudge dice or am I thinking of the wrong fucking thing? If I'm thinking the wrong fucking thing, I'll run it in Delta Green then. Hold on. Let me look. <laughs> yeah, because Gumshoe did get brought up a few times yeah. as a recommendation. What I remember about Gumshoe is that it's it's designed about investigative scenarios uh, being like, how do you run an, an investigation in an RPG? Well, you don't do the zero logic shit where it's like, oh, you better hope you didn't miss the thing. I no, hate you, that shit. Yeah, you always find the major clue. It's standard six sided dice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fudge dice. Yeah, then I so, I, I misremembered. I'm talking about uh, Delta Green. I'll just run it in Delta Green. I could make Delta Green and then come up with a handout for like, oh, you're a psyker. Here's the psyker sheet. Yeah. Like everyone else has the same sheet. The Psyker has the du jour war crimes chart. Well, you just, you like, just yeah. pull the magic system from older editions of Call of Cthulhu. Please, yeah, I'll just, I'll just whip up some horrible magic. Just Don't worry about please it. Please just, if you're using Delta Green, just give everybody spot hidden at like 50% or more. Oh, absolutely. I hate the absolutely. fact that it has no perception skill except this thing that starts at five for Normally, everybody yeah no so people just never notice things no in this that's world. because that's a spooky game world where you need to have the spooky monster come out of nowhere and get you all the time wow well you're right and also the the perception in that game is like the dm it, it's it puts undue stress to the dm because it's like the dm has to know how uh, a shuffling through papers looking for stuff can count as an accounting perception check or all these other kinds of like skills like driving a car to get away from a bad guy uh, while you're driving do a perception check uh, do a driving check to see how your car is running it's all that stuff I, I just I just I always run into yeah. that in Delta Green where there's literally like one dude whenever you said driving <laughs> I just remembered like 
when it comes down to most RPGs, there's some roles like, okay, we're in traveler digs. How many people on our fucking ship can actually fly the fucking thing? One. Right. That's terrifying. How many people can actually do medicine? Half of my character. <laughs> right. So you see that like a lot of uh, that's, that's terrifying when it comes down to Delta green or God, our dark heresy group, it was like, no one's going to learn driving. Driving's for losers. That was just the motto. So it's Why just would like, I learn to drive if we're all just going to crash it anyway? I'm yeah, only, I only ever use the Psyker healing ability, which is kind of trash anyways, on one halfling. And that was the only time I ever had to use that. <laughs> You're like, I'm not using this Because he's like, people. oh, he's going to die. It's like, no, he won't. One, eight, one toughness back. <laughs> I can bring him back to life so I can torture him. <laughs> it won't be the same guy, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh my god. No, I just I remember that there's a lot more fun to be had with homebrew. And I I would love to challenge myself to say like write uh Magistrata Mundanus 2.0 that is just essentially you use dart, you know, like Delta Green for the front end, come up with some basic skills, and then for the back end for like your war crime shit, just use dark heresy gunplay, which is fantastic if done right. So go, what are your inspirations? Degrees of success stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm from the dungeons of the dragoning generation of, of RPG players. So what I mean by that dungeons of dragoning was when 4chan TG mashed up like every major RPG system at once. And it was, it actually is pretty okay. Um, but what I mean by this is that my main inspiration for homebrew and adjustment was other RPG games. It all started when I was running World of Darkness, and I was like, "Man, World of Darkness combat sucks. It's yes, way it too. Does. It's way too like you just whiff everything. Um, what if what if we had like I played Dark Heresy and Only War. What if what if I what if you had like um, suppressing fire in that system? It's like well, there's a courage stat, you know, and you, you work it from there. So most of that is just, you know, what do I want to do with the game? Because the engine doesn't always support it and you have to BS stuff, which is okay. But if you're if you're coming up with it once, but if you want it to be consistent and you want it to be more or less fair, so there's an even playing field and people can use that again, you got to make a ruling and you got to write it down so, you know, so you can reference it and shit. Uh, no, and I agree. It's one of those things where it's like uh, there's that one point of homebrew where some people just fudge it every time. And I'm like, be consistent and write it down and you're contributing to the game. Yeah, it's it's basically just adapting the system to how I want it to work. Uh, it's why when I finally bit down and learned GURPS and Traveler, I really enjoyed it because it's that's what it's designed around for you to tinker with. Um, as far as like stuff happening, it's mostly just like either personal experience or just stories whether you know from history or news or well i know you've you've injected a lot of brazil into dark heresy 40k only war wow what what makes you say that (laughs) having fought through like 50 favela levels (laughs) in close combat with monsters you've envisioned that yeah. some of which spoke Portuguese. You know, I don't so, know. Some of them spoke Spanish instead. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you mixed it up to <laughs> make it astero. different. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where a very South American take on 40k, which makes it interesting because well, I I love yeah. well, I love hearing how locals mix up their version of the game because imagine what a 40k game. Imagine what a Death Watch game is like in Greece. 
Imagine going into Sparta, Greece and watching them play Death Watch. What do you think their campaign is like? How do you think they've flavored up their local, you know what I mean? Like it's all wedding RPD shit like Greyfeathers talks about in Creed. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying that it would be interesting. I like hearing these little things rather than yet another Ultramarine chapter. Yeah, well the because of the the war game presents it like almost a Napoleonic line infantry combat where you're just exchanging volleys. Yeah. And you know, if that's how you want to do the war game, fine, you know, that's a simpler way to do it. But if it's an RPG, you know, and you're like just four or five dudes because you're this little state sanctioned murder hobo squad. That's not how they, that's not how you're going to fight. No, it's going to be, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be lively. It's, no, it's, it's going to be, it's, you want it to be like a team shit. You know what I mean? Like, most people, when they play a RPG, I find a tactical RPG. And now that we've all gotten some inspirations out of the way, I guess we can go a bit more freeform. But when we talk about like tactical RPG, I find some games make it so fucking boring that I don't want to even consider it. Well, because like, it's it just Shadowrun. It, it grinds the action to a halt when you're working Shadow out Run, all the shit. Shadowrun makes a heist feel like the ending of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Ring Return of the King. It makes a heist feel unnecessarily long. You're just like, all right, now that we've done four days of pre-planning of the last four sessions, we are now going to execute this stupid Mission Impossible heist. And then an alarm we hadn't thought about goes off and we just have to use all our kung fu shit to get out. Yeah, and then a muddle of <laughs> fireball, dice. Fireball. A, a muddle of dice later and like 300 civilian casualties. You're like, aha, we finally made it away with that Twinkie recipe. We made Twinkie. We got it. I made three months rent. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have enough money to buy a new muffler. <laughs> Shadow run. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I, as far as like games that I like the tactics in is I like cyberpunk. Oh, cyberpunk, uh, just cyberpunk. Friday Night Firefight. Yeah. Simple cyberpunk. Not what I like is old school cyberpunk just because there's a beautiful entry where it's like old guns still work. You can go into a, you can just go into a pawn shop and buy like a 38 special and shoot and kill somebody. Nobody's special. You can die from nothing. A car could hit you. You could die. So everything is very much in the gutter and it's very low end as a game. And it feels like, oh my God, I'm oppressively trying to survive. Shadowrun feels within like a level or not a level or two, but a few missions you suddenly become very wealthy, very powerful. In cyberpunk, there is no wealth you can hold. You're fucking homeless starting out in cyberpunk. Yeah. You're either homeless or you have like no gear, no nothing, and you have a shitty apartment in the combat zone. I, I have a cargo I, container and I get generic prepack food for about $1,000 a month. This I, yeah. Chuma buying prepack? Come on, man. <laughs> Kibble for life. Uh, I'm pretty high up on the list right now. I, I did two whole missions. You're this fucking month. gentrifying this motherfucker. We got to take you down, Chuma. I, I had an a two bedroom apartment tonight. I had an idea. I had an idea for a uh, cyberpunk game at one point, and I was gonna. It was yeah. It was well. It was I was gonna run either that or the Magistrata Mundanus. I could not decide, and then I flipped a coin. But the the cyberpunk game idea that I was gonna run was it was gonna be the everyone in the party was on the was basically kind of like the fifth element, all fired at once from the job at the same time. And so they're all in the same unemployment line. 
when someone tries to rob it. And that was going to be the start of the story of like people coming together to like form an A team. And they're all just like former corporate office monkeys. Like that was going to be my, my first concept is like, what if we just formed a gun gang and decided to hurt people, (laughs) you know, just, just like the people down there are doing now that we're one of them, you know, just let you guys run mayhem with that. The problem was, is that I realized that you would all die very quickly cyberpunk is just nasty yeah well that's why i say not red because red gives you like a health pool of 35 to 50 hp yeah you can soak a a limb is like minus eight and like it's like 5d6 but then are like the cheapest armor you can get is like 11 so even if you roll like max like the only way you ever do damage if you roll two sixes and then even on the head it doesn't kill you outright because only does double damage and in 2020 or 2077, you take eight or more damage to any limb, you go into critical dying condition. Like, it's that crazy. That's why shooting heads is insane. In red, it's just like, here's your HP pool. Let's see who can stab each other the most. Like, right. It feels like an MMO where it's like a bunch yeah, of chained attacks. Yeah. I'm not I, a but, fan. And they took out so many choices. It's like, you there's can no shoot gear the head, There's the no arm, gear porn. The yeah, there there's needs no, to be. It's literally like, generic. It's like heavy rifle. Oh, no, a uh, heavy pistol, medium pistol, very I heavy pistol. Like, and then okay. it's like, here's some names you can give them. And it's like a whole list of like brands uh, from poor, normal or great quality stuff. I want my so, fucking Scott Brown city killer. <laughs> Scott Brown, yeah, motherfucker. Scott I, Brown, I asked, motherfucker. Well, I asked this. Uh, what, what? Who are they testing the game with? Like, who's the, who's the audience <laughs> they, they, they actually they tested probably, this with? They testing? probably had like... They probably had some guy at like a mall, you know, and like as the old people are walking around, he's like, hey, would you like to take a survey? If you were playing cyberpunk, would you feel more better with? And and they're like, yes, yes, no problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have also simplified it because they uh, did a test and said, like, people like it simple. They don't want to play a game with all this stuff in it. That was the issue is that D&D 5e came out and they're like, it's D&D, but simpler. And then. Then P- the Pathfinder 2E came out, super and simple. they were like, it's Pathfinder, but simpler. Yeah, lots and of then it. Wrath and Glory came out, and no one played it because it was a trash fire. <laughs> but, you know, like, you see a lot of stuff that comes out that is just make it simpler. Well, so, make like, it simpler, second. and, like, we need to literally prompt you to, to role play in this specific way. <laughs> Because otherwise is, you're not going to do it. You've, you freaking, well, yeah, never, I never watcher. every single book that I've gotten so far seems to be like new stuff, uh, has been well, like guided toward teaching people how to role play, like, or not teach them how to role play to I, just role play in this very specific I manner. Saw, and I'm like, I saw a guy, I, I saw a guy literally yeah. at a game store. I saw this happen at the complete games and hobbies in Colorado Springs. Uh, so Rob, if you're listening out there, love you, bud. But, Hi, Rob. um, Hi, Rob. yeah. So, Rob, I saw this at the game store. A guy wanted to prove a point. He said that, like, game books weren't important. And he sat back, and he was one of the more practiced DMs. And he had a sheet just behind his DM screen. He's like, hey, you want to play this new game? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, do you need to make characters? And he goes, no, the DM handles all of that in this game. The DM has to handle all that. And they're like, oh, yeah, for immersion? He's like, right. There was no game. The guy just made up free shit and rolled dice kept people on the hook for like five hours everyone was deeply engrossed with it it turns out storytelling is incredibly important but what about my system (laughs) yeah that was what so if any of you feel like you can't write an rpg you you only really need to write good fluff and truth like because 
I could tell you a story in D&D, regardless of what dice you roll, and just read the story adventure, and you would like, wow, I experienced yeah. that. It's like a hollow novel, but well, very analog. You need to have some kind of dispute resolution, too. So you, well, that's the I only need, thing a system is to me is like, I need a system to tell me if they pass or failed something. I knew, I knew some guys in college that did fit D and D where every resolution they had to pass involved a physical challenge. And they actually, this was like pre CrossFit. These guys were squats or you don't kill yeah, the dragon. No, exactly. They were like, they were like, Oh, you want to, they were like, you want to attack the dragon. It's like, yeah, well to make that attack, you got to bust out 50 pushups and you got and like two minutes to do it. Yeah. And so the guy's like, uh, uh, and these guys were like in great shape again. I was like, man, those guys are really sold to me in D and D. I should throw that in the fitness channel and Legion. See if anyone's down see, for some yeah, do, do feet. Yeah. Well, you would have to come up that with like, Oh, great. Like, okay, if you're a mage, you're on doing leg days, so it's burpees to do magic shit. You know that what I mean? That would actually be that pretty be, good. Yeah, that, I like would that. Be, that would be interesting. Like, you could you could say, like, oh, you know, if you want to do your rogue powers, you need to, you know, do this many sit-ups or whatever. And it's like, fuck! <laughs> you have three minutes to do a mile run, go. And you see them bust out the back door. You gotta have acrobatics. You gotta we, be able we to have do a, we jumps. Have, <laughs> we could have a D&D app. We could create a D&D app for the Black Pants Legion, and it's just called like adventure and and it's just like uh oh there's a dragon you need to do this many squats to defeat the dragon every like ten every like five squats is 1d6 damage or something <laughs> that would be hilarious <laughs> it, it, the problem is is you'd have someone like tom who's like i power leveled and i can't sit in my chair anymore and you're like oh no what have we done yeah you'd get you'd get some fucking like injuries and Oh god! Shit. Well, that's that's what's horrifying. I remember is when they did the um, that rare when Pokemon Go came out, and all those people just kind of started meandering yeah. around with their phones. Dude, that was I was part of that group. I actually it kind of blew my mind how many it, it, it was inspiring that something was able to get so right. many people out. And there's yeah. still it's still one of the biggest apps out there. It and it gets people out and yeah. doing stuff. I the other thing I remember that was fucked up was uh, when it happened. Um, within like the first two weeks of it happening in Wind River, uh, Wyoming, there was uh, somebody who was like, oh, I'm going to go down to the river. There's a rare Pokemon down there. And they found a body. So Pokemon Go helped solve a murder. I think that's pretty amazing. Pokemon Go <laughs> just, also got a lot of people ki- like arrested for trespassing. You know, <laughs> that's another thing. God, I wonder that's how. What, I, I, that's what kind of killed the app for me was like they restricted it to just like public businesses and stuff like that. I was like, I like going to the park. I went to the park and all I got was just the same three or four all the time. And no matter how far I went and it was just like, whatever you you need to go to the mall. You got to go to Best Buy. I'm like, I don't want to go there. If I had an ARG game that told people to do stuff, it wouldn't be like go wander the park to search for animals. It would be like, Hey, if you pick up this many pieces of garbage, you find a rarer animal at the park. I, I just get people to do civic service with the phone. <laughs> just need to like, see Uh-oh. some kid walk over and kick over the trash can to count as more trash. <laughs> well, yeah, people okay. would find a way to game the system. They already do that with Pokemon Go. They don't have to leave their house. They can just hook their phone into like a geo. Oh, location. there's apps for that. There's yeah. apps for that. They don't have to leave your location. You just literally do a joystick and it just watches your avatar walk across the map. Oh, look, yeah. I made it to the park. That that would probably people stream it on Twitch. It's so dumb. 
What would be fucking funny is if you if you had that app that was saying where your phone was going and like you were under surveillance by a spy agency and then it shows you're like person you just, just right translocate like yeah just like walk <laughs> to the White House through all of the walls and they're just like it oh, oh. starts playing the you X just see agents <laughs> running around starting to dig into the ground thinking you're in a tunnel or something yeah they're just like my God he's in the walls Mr President they're all running around freaking out. Oh my God, that would be great. I, I I know it's not like that, but in in a world of crossed wires, I wish someday. Yeah, I, I like weird, funny, zany things like that. Stranger it, things happen, indeed. So when it comes to well, when it comes down to RPGs, I wanted to ask where you guys felt on this age old RPG issue, which is I know as a gun guy, a lot of people are not kosher with guns. They're just not gun people, and that's fine. I don't push it with people. I like my guns, but if people are not gun people, that's okay. I can talk about many other things I like, like movies, video games, whatever. But I know a lot of people don't like guns and RPGs, and they have taken up the issue, especially in fantasy settings, where saying the gun doesn't fit because it's not the correct time period. And I can point out that <laughs> the armor is. I have to point out that the rapier is a hundred years newer than the wheel lock in common use. So when you find a lot of things that are certainly out of place and cherry picked, where do you guys feel on like gun and fantasy and how to balance it out if you feel it even fits? If you're going to use, let's say we're playing a game where it's like a fantasy world and they have like flintlock pistols. Yeah, sure. If you want to have a character that can do all of that in combat, you might want to also train them in melee because flintlocks aren't exactly the most reliable weapon there is, but they can do a lot of damage. I think that's fine to give them a hand cannon. Give them something they think of blow a big chunk of the monster away, and then they have to spend a few turns reloading the fucking thing. And getting like it a ready spell or a magic wand? Exactly. 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 It's the <laughs> same thing. They have an enchantment called repeating. You don't got to reload anything. Well, mm. here's the it's thing. Not, well, it's it's not only that. It's that a what the point goat's trying to make, I believe, is that a spell has a consumed component, and it requires an action. A gun has a consumed component and requires an action. So does this roller wand? Yeah. So so I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's just it's, I like I like the idea of pluses and minuses for especially like pre-smokeless powder or just black powder firearms you just say like yeah you can get a shot off however if it is unrifled you can't hit anything intentionally over 75 yards and further <laughs> it loses power as it goes on so if you're at point blank range you could fucking blow an ogre in half but if it's at maximum range he's gonna go eh, and then pick up a chair and hit you with it yeah just imagine like a magic uh like Gatling gun or something like that makes sense for that setting. It would make a hundred. It's all clockwork stuff. It's all mechanics. And you could technically make combustible cartridges to feed through a hopper to work with a gun. It's a magic setting. You can also summon demons. You know, it's like you could do a lot. Well, yeah, it's it's like, however, (laughs) summon ammo. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's like you could sealed. What does that mean? All right. I guess I have a full ammo clip anyway. (laughs) But it's it's one of those things of like if you had if you had the biggest siege cannon ever made, the biggest grand bombard like the Turks ever made. Like a giant wolf set on the front of it. Yeah, you have a giant fucking siege mortar, the biggest one ever. And and they summon like a demon and you're like, I'll kill you. Hold on. Line up this cannon that's as big as a house. Light the fuse. Hold it in position and wait and be like, one moment. 
we'll be right with you holding and we're all dead and like, dude, demons yeah. mean to fire so the explosion does nothing yeah, so exactly. like, dude like that's actually a great scenario because then you could have the dm challenge themselves not to use their foreknowledge of how much damage this cannon does to their demon that they just made so that well, way they can then go well the demon doesn't really know if this de- thing is going to hurt them but nothing so far they've done to him has hurt so why would he assume anything I, and just stand i think there? the correct balance is old you know? The correct balance is old Warhammer fantasy where you have pike and shot formations where it's like a halberd or a pike is just as good as an arquebus or a handgun. It's just form lines and shoot stuff. Well, the yeah. normal amount, I mean, the normal what they do in modern or at least in D&D and Pathfinder is that guns are, you know, they have high crit because when they hit, they do a lot of damage if they do crit. But they usually have like rain limit rain limitations of always, but they also have a misfire chance. If it roll below a certain number, it jams or breaks the gun based on what kind of quality of gun it is. Because that's a thing that can happen, which doesn't really happen with crossbows or bolts, you know. Well, they get their strings get fucked up if it gets wet. But the problem mm. the real problem is is that everything is priced wrong in Dungeons and Dragons. Everything is priced wrong. Oh, a long a bow costs about as much as a sword, doesn't it? Which and version? And a bow is a piece of treated wood with a gut string. Yeah. And a sword is like, you know, like iron reforged several metal. Pounds. Yeah, that you that takes like it's a lot of work days to set up. It's yeah. a lot, a lot of work to forge a sword. I'm not saying 15. it's not to make a bow, and I'm sure you can make a bow. Yeah, a longbow is fifty gold for a wood, the treated bow and string versus a longsword, which is fifteen gold. Yeah. Okay. What so the fuck? Here's there's your issue. Now the yeah. other thing you can do. First is of you, all, the, the the sword maker guild would like to have a word. It's called inflation, son. <laughs> I think it's also Prices because have gone like, up. No, no, it's also points out the problem that I I think that like if you're gonna have a group of people come up and they're all just ranged and like we don't have to get in melee. Why wouldn't the enemies think the same tactic? Did did you I know, musket is a five hundred gold <laughs> did, and now, does the I'm same fine, damage as a longbow? And I, and a, I mean, fine, a heavy crossbow. And I I'm perfectly fine with it costing that much. That's handmade, very difficult, and requires precise metals to make in that time specialized. period. Specialized, specialized all the way. Lock, stock, and barrel. Each part is a different industry at this point in time, and it requires the specialization of foundry manufacturing and clockwork manufacturing. So it is an incredibly difficult process that is the conjoining of two guilds in a medieval system. It would suck and it would be very expensive to make guns, but you could on an industrial basis. Go ahead. The the other problem is is that D&D type setting shouldn't be medieval at all. You got to do that bronze age. You got big fucking classically at least you have big fucking empires in a and a lot of wilderness areas and barbarian lands and client states and isolated colonies and shit. And, and there's weird cannons. shit roving around. That's Bronze Age. You gotta you just throw throw your fucking plate armor and rapiers away. Get your short sword and tower shield out and your hoplon and your uh, you know and your and your pikes and shit and let's fucking go. Did, did I ever? Did I ever? <clears throat> did I ever tell you about the uh, the D and D? game i ran long ago where i made everyone really hate the concept of medieval taxes 
I had read a book. I had read a handbook on how medieval taxes were levied where they would just nitpick you on everything for no yes. reason. So, so I read that and I said, I'm, I'm going to run this. That to my D&D yeah. games. And I ran this Mike. legit as a medieval lord. So they go into town, right? They're like, do, 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 do. I'm going to town. They write into town. Town guard stops them and goes, what have you? Why do you come to town? And they're like, well, I'm... Um, I'm, and they're like, no adventurers. And they're like, oh, well, I'm here to trade. Oh, you're here to trade. They take out all the items and they just take some. That's taxes. You can trade for one day. <laughs> and they're like, fuck. And then they go inside and they start trading. You don't have a guild registration. You're not a gilded trader. You need to pay a guild fee. And so they just get nitpicked on everything until they leave town. There is a price to civilization in the medieval age and you can just fuck people. And it's hilarious because it's That's believable. Amazing. It's believable. They could just be like, you could say, well, I'm a cobbler. Uh, I make shoes. Prove it. The, the town guard go prove it. Fucking prove it or pay me, pay me money. And that's fine. That's part of his income. He's allowed to do that. That's not bribery. That's just him keeping the town secure. We don't need more shoemakers here. That'll fuck up the local business. So he's just going to act like a barrier and be a bastard the whole time. So you can just squeeze people in an RPG. You don't need to even have them have to fight bandits. They have to get mad at stuff that they can't even feasibly fight because if they kill a guy, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter because the rules apply everywhere they go in this medieval kingdom. It's the same everywhere. They're like, we should have a revolution. I'm like, exactly. Sounds like a fun campaign. It kind of reminds me of what it's like uh, being like Rambo. You know what I mean? Coming home after the war and everyone's just taxed the shit out of you. You have nowhere to stay. You just all I know how to do is kill. Well, you that's, know, like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, that's that's a cool idea for the campaign is like, I want someone yeah. else to hear this. And go run that. Go look up how medieval taxes, like go study, just say, type in Google, how were medieval taxes assessed? How did people take tariffs in the medieval age? Go look that up, start studying that and write that shit down and borrow it into your game worlds. Because if you put that in Traveler, oh my God, does that fit Imperiums? Imperial taxes on random shit for no reason. It's like Dwarf Fortress tax stuff where it's just like, I ban the export of red spittle gems for no reason. So land based assessment, head taxes based on how many people yes. land, trade based stuff, church taxes, yes. customary yes. dues. Yes. It goes I mean, on. You have to rich somehow, right? <laughs> no, there is no way out of taxes. You could be like, oh, I don't pay taxes. I'm in the clergy. Hold on. Let me get the clergy tax book. They will literally have a set of tax books for everything. Everyone is going to pay taxes. A 10% income. Yeah. And it's great. Like if you look through all of the bonkers stuff in medieval taxes, you can start scrolling through how they're like, oh, you, you've done very well in D&D and you've bought an inn. Oh, you've bought an inn, a coaching inn. You well, own that's a land? Business. You own land, that's a tax. You have a coaching inn, that's a tax. You employ X amount of people, well, that's a tax. And you have to provide a levy for the militia. Like, they can just keep adding shit on and Yeah, make I'm your with the hell. guild, really. Oh, yeah, I see your name here on the guild, but you're not listed in our town. In order to do yep. that, you're going to have to pay uh, about 10 gold just so we can put you on the registry and you don't have to worry about us hitting you up. Like five or we'll 10 business your, days. Yeah, we'll hit your, yeah, we'll get you a card in the mail. <laughs> not only that, but <laughs> you're not even supposed to be making, pulling money out of your ass like that when it's peacetime. If it's wartime, 
that's yeah. one thing. But if it's peacetime, well, then the right thing to do would be for you to donate all that to the church and give it all to your Lord as well. So in practice, you have yeah. a 200% tax rate. Well, uh, so what the, you have to do is just underreport it and just hope they don't care that, you know, you yeah, kept you, it to yourself. You have to pretend to be more impoverished than you are at all times. I and you just have got to find, this pair of shoes to sell. You, that's yeah, that's like, why you do Bronze Age if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, jeez, dude. It, oh, jeez. Ten gold pieces. I'm it not going to starve. I have to, oh. I have to get an indulgence from my wife. That's the thing is what you, you do. You have a wife, in, wife tax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how it is. So what it should be is what I found by doing that system. One of the players game five says, I haven't stabbed a single thing. And I feel like I have been fought this whole time. And I said, that's a good game. Then I had another game I played in once that was a homebrew where it was literally, we made all these characters and we thought we were going to like go on this adventure to the other side of the world. He says, we're going on a sea trip. And it turned into basically the odyssey. We got lost at sea and had to find our way back and constantly on this ship and nothing we made mattered. And I was like, what a good fucking game. Yeah. If you want to do lighthearted sword and sorcery though, Pull, pull from Bronze Age settings. Absolutely. Bronze Age mythology just, yeah, the hero is pulled in. Yes, and he has a hundred wives now. Good yeah, for him. Just either like just hand wave away that you have certain medi- like later medieval period technologies or just divorce yourself from the aesthetic. Well, and it's it's other things that I find that are like really nitpicky when it comes down to like fantasy settings because you, you find where they're like, ah, yes, there's no cannons, but here's a copper hulled sheeted ship. And I'm like, ah, yes, how very 1805 of you, goddammit. And so I see <laughs> stuff like that and I'm like, ah! <laughs> and my Here's brain would. Yeah. Or we have a centralized empire and a state with a bureaucracy and this very, very high medieval setting where you got what, princesses my, with the conical caps and my, my favorite, my favorite, my absolute favorite part of Warhammer Fantasy second edition was the fucked up exchange rates. Oh yeah. Where yeah, cuz here's the thing in a medieval era there's no such thing as a real central bank. So you have to carry local money till you get to the end of that money on the trade route and then exchange it. Or you have to carry all the denominations known to man and you get fucked every time you have to change your money over. Or you so carry you, trade goods and you get fucked because those get taxed and the <laughs> exactly. prices are too variable. So you have to carry wealth in many ways. So in a medieval setting, what's cool is you can hide your money in booze or other goods that aren't taxed as much and say, oh, no, this is my personal whiskey. I drink a lot. And then you take it to the next town and sell it for a profit and then buy extra horseshoes or something. So it becomes almost like a uh, post-collapse state in that you have a black market. It's really interesting. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I killed the conversation. <laughs> I get, fuck you. I just don't really know how to go on with that when you pretty much hit that square. <laughs> well, it's it's the other thing is like, I want to ask about RPGs because a lot of people have asked. They they love the Magistrata Mundanus. They love the stuff we put out there and they're going to love what we put out next, I feel. But I, I just want to say that like when people are really worried about starting RPGs, I said that like there's two big rules. One is like have fun. Because if you're not having fun, don't fucking run it. And have fun yeah. as a GM too. You're not a fucking hand, you're not a fucking man you're a servant. player. Yeah, yeah, you're you're part of the story. So don't, not only that, don't, you're running it. Yeah, don't don't get abused. If Please anything, you should have abused. more fun than your players. Fuck them. Let them <laughs> figure it out. 
Yeah. Don't fuck your players unless they consent. Yeah. Wow. Figuratively. Figuratively. Yeah, I know. I've been under your figurative fucking in many a game where you're just like, yeah, it's just a modest encounter. And it's like, here's 800,000 hit dice of something that eats bullets for lunch. And I'm like, oh, good. (laughs) And then the fucking like hobo pulls out a a bundle of dynamite. It's like, and just yeets it at you when it blows up half the party. That's the thing is it just ends up being like insane memes that are weaponized. And yeah, so it's like you run it like if, it, but if you're not running it like doom, this, it's boring. But my second rule is like, make it yours. Um, a really good example of that, that I think is there's a lot of people in battle tech who are into this whole Canopus cat girl thing. Yeah. The one fucking and, piece of well, art. And there is one piece of art. When there's a far page. superior mermaid girl right next to her, no one just ever talks about just that. Yeah, there's, yeah, so there is, there is a, exactly. there is, a, yeah, everything might quietly, exactly. No, uh, <laughs> there's so many other things going on in there, and I'm like, that's it's, the only it's, thing oh you're God, my OC. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, there's one picture, there's one picture, and one thing, and it shows a performing girl. For those of you who don't know, it shows a performing girl, and there's a bunch of cybernetic attachments like cat ears, mermaid tail, lady in the background's got her mermaid thing going, and there's a bunch of cameras, and it's obvious that this is some sort of like burlesque show. And the people come out as performers. And so people are like, oh, are cat girls real in Battletech? And I was like, well, yes and no. In that sense, yes, it does exist. But that's like a burlesque show. That doesn't mean that's a lifestyle choice. And so a lot of people have taken that into their own thing. Now, I'm fine with that because you can make your own shit. You can just say it's what the traveler rule is. It's reasonable to assume that people in that setting would have similar interests to people in our universe. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like and when they wrote this shit I in the eighties, they might, you know what I mean? I'm, like it's, it's a big universe. It's hard to say that. Uh, no, I'm, you know not, I'm not denying that the idea that there, I mean, obviously there's a burlesque show there. People are interested in it. That proves yes. that people are going to see there's that a business. I'm just there's saying that business. like in a world where everyone's chronically online and has no entertainment. So their brain goes, I can do this. I'm into that. I don't really care about the human connection anymore. Sure. But in a universe full of war and any moment, your entire city could be evacuated for a mech warrior battle. I think they have bigger things to worry about than what's my favorite OC on a burlesque show. No, that's fair. So I feel like the the culture, but you would be surprised. You <laughs> no, would no, be I'm, surprised. I'm there's always <laughs> a degenerate. There's always like there's always a degenerate group. <laughs> no, no. I was gonna say, Diggs. I think you have more hopeful uh, future for people in that setting than you do. Oh no, I gave up on our people a long time ago. <laughs> oh man, disgusting. But no, no. What I'm what I'm saying though is. Everybody, like, I believe in the Traveler Universe rule, where there's, like, your Traveler Universe, and there's the Traveler Universe. And you start with the Traveler Universe, and then you go, I don't like that technology, and that war doesn't seem fun, and that doesn't fit what I want to do with the story. I'm going to make my own sector using the pieces of it, and then tell my own story. So you, I've seen people do Traveler as future hard space sci-fi, like, uh, Starship Troopers. I've seen Traveler done in terms of like Lost in Space. I've seen Traveler done as Star Trek. I've seen Traveler redressed as uh, a Barotrauma game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crowbot the Destroyer. You humans and your oxygen. It is amusing. Yeah. Um, I uh, We've got our Traveler game. But I think everybody has their own universe. Depp's universe is a very 1975 cassette futurism version of space down to the soundtrack. Depp's game is that. 
to a T. But every Traveler game is going to feel very different. And I think that some are going to be Noble Bright and some are going to be Grimdark. Some are going to be war stories. Some are going to be kind of comedic. Some are going to be action movies. But ultimately, I think everyone needs to make their own fucking thing. And they need to make their own thing in their own way. And I, I know that there's a lot. I have a lot more patience for someone who has an insane custom setting and has a lot of passion for it than somebody who is like, listen, this is the most exact version of the Lord. Yeah, it's like it has, this has to be the, with Harry Potter background. You know, it, it has to be the exact version of this. And if you deviate from it, you're like wrong. It's Shakespeare or some shit. And I don't think anything in an RPG is Shakespeare. I think it's it's literally a stage and there's props and you can play with them. But like linear adventure paths kill it for me. Now I get Curse of Stride. I get the linear adventure path in that because it's a it's little, a little open, but it ends the same way. It's yeah, well, it's it's also his own dimension. So he can force an outcome, you see? So he can always kind of have his what he wants happen. It's a story so of how your players you know, react to the situation. It's like a psycho thriller. And I like that. I like Curse of Strahd. I played through it twice and I've had slightly different things, but it feels like playing a good RPG game and that there are different outcomes, different stories, and the stories along the way are kind of interesting. But the main story points are the same, where you meet a character in one playthrough and you don't in the next, and they shape kind of the choices you make. Um, but I find that a lot of people who never deviate, they find that there is an optimal or everything for every RPG. And I just go, no, you gotta, you gotta start playing and muddying the waters. You gotta start fucking with the rules. Because like I've never seen a Shadowrun game run rules written. Not once. Fuck that. Not once. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this because of my personal experience with it. You can just run Curse of Strahd and it's going to be a good time. You yeah, making agreed. it like your own version or changing everything. It doesn't increase or decrease the enjoyable or value of any game you run for people. If you got a group that's wanting to do that. I've had a lot of fun just doing straight adventure paths exactly the way they were supposed to go because it was well written or well read out or gave me plenty of ideas to work with. You don't, not everything needs to not be formatic. Some players need structure. Some people need a oh, goal. I agree. Some people oh, need, I, agree. I know a lot of people who can't play sandbox games because they don't have the mind frame to set out personal goals. So then they just sit there being part of a group, never really interacting with the world because they have no idea what their character is supposed to be doing in the world. If they have, like, if you establish their goal from the beginning, like in A Curse of Strahd, which is Escape Barovia, and at some point you realize, I probably should deal with Strahd while I'm here. Yeah. That focuses your character's needs, desires, or wants, or bonds, their, their, like, their energy, and that pulls them out of this, well, I guess I'm just the party rogue when I'm needed. And, like, making it crazy or going like, oh, it's not the most basic or not the most unique or something a million people have done – you can enjoy anything. And exactly. I don't think that makes it superior or less superior based on who's running it or what they're running from. I agree. It. No, I absolutely agree. It's like I've had I played through games. I had games. a lot of fun in Curse of Strahd myself. Well, I've had I've had a lot of games though, and I think this is what Goat was trying to get at is that I've had a lot of games where someone will run the game rules as written and it's so dreary and boring because it encourages in many people in many people, it encourages a very flat style of DM where they move you from exhibit to exhibit 
and then prompt you to move toward things the DM wants. And I've fallen in, into this myself. I've fallen into being like, okay, well, actually, how do we fucking resolve this? What is the rule for this? And I think that's well. I think that's also one of the most diabolically difficult parts of writing one of these things. Yeah, is that how do you write the in between? How do you? Because yeah, you need to have some kind yeah. of rules. We're not just playing pretend. Exactly. It's it's like you can play pretend, but you have to tell people from the beginning. Otherwise, it becomes like a psych experiment. Well, it's one of those things where you can just have a deck of cards and you as a DM pull up a card and they pull up another card and whatever is a higher thing is an outcome. Like the system truly doesn't matter as long as your players and yourself are having fun. But you do need a system to resolve stuff, like Goat said. There needs to be a resolution. There needs to be a conflict or something to fight, like to go against. Oh, I agree. But but the actual world, like, as long as, I mean, obviously I'm not saying like, all right, PowerPoint slide one, how are you guys going to deal with these werewolves? All right, you killed the werewolves, PowerPoint slide two, there's three hacks in here. That's that's Shadowrun. I don't do it right. I have an idea. I have an idea. What if, what if. What if we what if we created for the BPL for people who are trapped at work a RPG run through PowerPoint? Oh, you have to it's like that Jackbox game where you have to come up you have to present how your character resolves the situation. Yeah, so you're just like, uh oh, slide four. <gasps> You've run into a troll. How do you deal with it? It's like go to well, page I need to seven leverage the you... synergy between in, in departments that I've been cultivating. <laughs> this quarter i need a yeah. tax man and a priest <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll intermix it with some six sigma six stuff you know, uh, no. so. we do like you have your fucking like your stand-ups uh. listen i got two high performance teams behind me they're gonna knock out this problem oh, no, and, their contracts ran out uh, well i'm gonna i'm gonna agileine scrum this thing into the ground uh. <laughs> we're gonna have a sprint to talk about how our last sprint blew through our money at the same time as it did our budget for our money Thank Hell you yeah. for coming to my six sigma suck. All right, six so sigma. <laughs> well, I was I was gonna think about like when it comes down to fantasy settings and everything else. There's a lot of people that I find that keep trying to reinvent the wheel, and I find a lot of people are also very factionalist when it comes down to what game does it best is best. I found people who are like Mork Borg is the best game ever, and I'm like, it's simple. And I've seen people who are like, Five E is the best game ever, and I was like, it has issues. Well. Dig said it's like you know the dis you need a dispute resolution mechanic it, it, yes. it does matter what the dispute resolution mechanic is otherwise you know there wouldn't be a choice between systems we yeah. know what's best it has to be and someone I'm that's quarter simple. every time when well, i'm not saying flip two quarters that well, I'm, success. I'm not yeah. gonna i'm not gonna play that game for for like any of the rpgs i'm playing right now yeah just that's you know well, and I'm not trying yeah. to say that like 5e is perfect or anything, because aside from the Wizards of the Coast licensing, haha, no, but really, but haha, uh, that they pulled. And then, uh, what if, what if we? No, just kidding. Yeah, it was Unless. it was very yeah, it was very like not sincere. <laughs> and the other issue is that as well, like 5e has a lot of mechanics that I don't agree with, where they're like, oh, you could have an advantage or a disadvantage, and I'm like, okay, here's why I like three five is because I can go, I have plus two lockpicks, and I have a plus six to the lockpicking skill, and my dex gives me a plus six, right? Mm. So what I have is I have a number of happy bonuses that uh, I But up. I had to do arithmetic more than twice 
for one I mean, dice you do, roll. You do have that in 5e, though. Advantage just means I, you I, roll no, twice. Right. No, no, thing. But no. here's, and here's And here's why I like 3-5. It's because you could also stack the negatives. So it's it's one of the questions that I like to point out. This is where 3-5 is different from 5e. Is 3-5, I can stack all those things. And then you could have things that disadvantage me. Like... Oh yeah, the town guard is seeing you do this and is shooting at you with a crossbow. So, oh, that's a minus five. You're that's really bad. Drunk. And you are piss ass drunk, so that's a minus ten. Unfortunate. So you you find out where you sit on that D twenty. So roll. the the I mean the the argument there is the DC just climbed by ten because of those situations. Like it because not directly like narrating your numbers dropping. What you're doing becomes harder. So you just say that instead of it being a DC 15 lockpick, if you had your time, you just got shot and they're running at you and you have to do this really fast. So now it's a DC 25. And then the negatives already been added into the, the role. I understand. It's just I have different preferences of computing things, and I'm weird. Yeah, I'm just it's and I'm just logically I I see it and go, "Eh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But it's it's it comes down to a preference as well because like if I came in. If I came in with 5e, I'd probably be talking about that for the rest of my life. But I came in at 3.0 and 3.5. That's where I spend the bulk of my four minutes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And so I'll sit back and be like, one of these days I'll play another one. And, you know, but it's everyone looks back fondly with rose-colored lenses. They, They don't realize that the DMs who ran those also ran only that. Yeah. Because well, I'm not. I'm not trying to defend Five E with that. I'm just yeah. saying, like numbers wise, it's the same thing. But what only thing I like about Five E at this point is how easy it is to get people rolling. It oh, is extremely. It is still my top tier. Enough depth of a system to get people rolling dice in 15 minutes and understanding what those dice do, while also allowing them to simultaneously see all the numbers and go, "Oh, this isn't that bad. I wonder what else is out there." Because you can easily jump from 5e to Pathfinder, and it's a bit overwhelming just because choice paralysis is a million choices. Oh, God, yeah. But other than that, it's like I, I know what dice I'm rolling. I know what I'm adding. I know what to look for and how I want to play. And then, like, the, I mean, other D, non-D20 stuff gets a little bit up there. But, like, D6s, there couldn't be anything easier. And then D100, it's kind of like it's – to me, it's the same thing except, ooh, my number's more specific. Here's the here's probability one thing. is different. You're an here's one you here's one this. thing that it's I I just <sighs> it's it's one thing that I I I find really annoying though. Like I I will tell you one thing that I hate about three five and three zero is prestige class apocalypse because you find that in three zero and three five there is this infinite Godzilla. yeah there's this infinite infinite doom stack of books for every class and character and every variation. And so when you speak to a veteran of the game, they're like, they're like, Oh, do you play a fighter? And they're like, well, the first six levels are in fighter. Then I dip into rogue. And then just <laughs> then to I get take the arcane trickster. Then, then I go one level into monk. Then I go straight into like a legendary. Oh, I, yeah. I do weapon master so I can get weapon proficiency. Wep- and then I can get my crits on a 13 and up on a D 20 so that I can whirlwind attack the entire room and kill them all at once. And you're Damn like, Damn right. With a reach Fun. weapon yeah. while enlarged. So I hit 20 for <laughs> radius whirlwind yeah. killing everybody. <laughs> yeah. And that's you're like just those a dynasty are, warriors character. I yeah, get exactly. it. <laughs> you jump on a horse people, and everyone in the room dies. <laughs> those are the people you run into 
in in old 30135 circles. And it's hilarious because they know how to kill everything. We had a guy we used to invite to our table that we called Dr. Strangelove because he wore dark, dark sunglasses, but he always, he played wizards. And all he could do was talk about how to destroy everything. So he figured out how to cast Vengeful Gaze of God, which if you've never looked at is an epic level spell that kills like a whole plane. This guy figured out how to fucking cast it. And the DM was like, no. And he's like, (laughs) weep the whirlwind. (laughs) Vengeful Gaze of God is fucked up. But the guy wrote out how he was going to do it and handed it to the DM. And the DM just said, good God, no. (laughs) Ninth level cleric spell. Jesus. Yeah, read what it does. Up to 25d6 with no saving throw. A touch attack. Okay, (laughs) I can see that being a little bit broken. Skeleton King, wake your hand. Yeah, he just exploded a bunch of shit. It was just like, I win. It's just, he just darker Manhattans them. Well, that's the thing is like, when you run into, good God, Mr. Train, fuck off. Uh, When when you. Fuck you. Mr. Train. He's, He's listening. He's listening. Mr. Train's a big fan, He's but not. no, when it, when it comes down to like high level people and oh God level up to level 20 in D and D three Oh and three, five, the last five levels are just a cornucopia of discovering horrific, horrific war crime level technology and magic. It's just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to open a portal to hell. It's like, what? And yeah, then you can there's just do mystic that. levels. So you go above 10 or 20, yeah. 20. <laughs> go, go look at stuff like gate. Which is a level nine spell. Summon anything from any dimension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, there's Asmodeus, a lot of st- come here, come here. Yeah, you just be like, hey. And then Asmodeus just for- flips you off and fucks back off. Asmodeus's <laughs> arm comes through the hole and tears yeah, just- everything up and then just gives you the finger and then goes back in. And you're like, thank you, Asmodeus. He's going to make me pay for that. But the the idea is, is that there's so much bonker shit you can play with. And I encourage people to go out there and just play with those toy boxes. A lot of people say that you can't write an RPG or you can't run a homebrew. And I think that's fucking bullshit. I think you can do anything. Well, I know how to end a conversation. Uh, no, I didn't so- end a conversation. It's just you're good, you're good at making the point uh, very clearly. Yeah, I, I had nothing to add on to it. Well, yeah. here's here's the one <laughs> thing I'm I like, wanted- all right, that's that was perfect. I, I think we have time for one last conversation on on tabletop and homebrew, and I think this is some of the shit that I really want to pour out there for people. Um, if if I I, I want to say a few things. If you write a custom race, please, if you add bonuses to it at appropriately level offset them, please, or please add negatives. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people's homebrew shit. And they're like, this is my custom happy race of fairy people who are dog kittens and they have laser beam eyes and level 20 armor naturally. And I'm like, no, or Try if again. you are, it's level 20. Yeah, it's like or something yeah. like or something. Whatever. Well, that's the thing is, I'm like, hey, if you want to play that, make it work. But you got to mechanically fit it in. Well, you can't even just Gygax be God. said, yeah, you can play a fucking dragon or whatever, but you got to be leveled appropriately, or you got to be like a baby. Yeah, I mean, if you if I legit had a player that wanted to be an actual dragon that had enough sentience to be like part of a party, its class would be dragon. 
Like, yep. its entire being is you're that colored dragon and you're starting at, you're going to have 15 hit points like the next barbarian and have two claws to attack and a bite. Like, that's that's literally what Gygax did. Yeah, yeah. and over your levels, you unlock your abilities and everything else. You can't fly until you you're six or seven, you know, that kind of yeah, shit. <laughs> exactly. And you just make it work. Like, I don't care if people want to build their own crazy races for their settings or whatever. That's cool. Make it fit, though. Because I've seen so many people fuck that up, especially in Dark Heresy, where it just becomes like murder hobo porn, where they're like, oh, yes, this is my custom stats. For let's my, give let's give know. the Psyker a force sword and the weapon skill aptitude to start. Exactly. No, turn, I wish I play, had the weapon skill. Go play skill. Star Wars D6. <laughs> Exactly. And it's it's like, God, if you had had that weapon skill aptitude in that fucking Magistrata Mundanus game, you would have been... I wouldn't like, have to hide every a, fight. Yeah, and a force sword. You'd just be like, I hit the guy, and then I do like another like 3d10 damage. You touch I mean, I did have person. a force sword, I just never had to use it. <laughs> if you touch someone with that thing while channeling psychic energy, they would have faded out like a Star Trek Yeah, 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 that's a good way to do it. Yeah, they, they would have just, just faded out. out. It would have just been gone. It would have been like, Jump cool. cut. Yeah, when I, I picked it up, I'm like, I looked at my 19 weapon skill and I looked at my other abilities. I'm like, this is purely intimidation. Well, <laughs> I'm going to hit myself with it and be like, ah! But that's the <laughs> thing is that stuff like that in 40K works. Like, as soon as you start flexing big weapons, people are like, oh, shit, these guys are connected. And they fear you. It's because they're like, oh, shit, it's the government. They realize it's not just guys. Everyone should just have a good time like Quinn. Just have a good time. So what I'm looking at is um, I'm thinking that for when people write an RPG, they frequently try to take on a lot of mantles of performance from a lot of RPGs that have been broadcast and they think that they need to kind of fit that niche. And I think that that's not true because unless your friends are having fun with your story, it's not a good one. And you need to make sure that everyone's having fun. And I know a lot of people have washed out of DMing because they're they're trying to live up to like Matt Mercer or something like that. They're like, I can't even try. And it's like, man, if you just got a soundtrack together, just a soundtrack. If you're a nervous DM, go get a soundtrack. Go get all your favorite MP3s of all your favorite thematic shit and lay that shit down and run your game. People will fucking love it. It doesn't matter how shaky your voice is or how unprepared you are. Lay down a fucking soundtrack. Have boss battle music. Do shit like that. I struggle with music. And tell people that shit happens. And then this shit, shit happens. happens. Yeah. Like a lot, especially if your players don't have a lot of personal initiative, which yeah, some of them like won't. You can, well, and that's, that's the thing is you have to ask him. You have to say like, okay, which of you wants to take the lead? Because I'll make sure that this presents to that player. And if, if no one takes the lead, okay, I'm going to fuck with them until they start leading. Yeah, <laughs> and some, that's one yeah, of your guys might, yeah, one of your guys might want to be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit in like the Sponson on this gun and yeah, I shoot the gun. This is, this is one of the reasons why I really like Mike at my games, uh, because he's one of those people who pretends to know what's going on a lot, but he also understands the other players characters enough to know what they'd be good at. So when we're running, like when we were doing a survival slash try to find the hidden village stuff a couple of weeks ago, it was very easy to say, you know, the person with survival, which was the lizard folk who has no other skills would try to find this place. And he was able to kind of nudge those people to the front at the same time. When we got to the place, we didn't want to immediately go in and start flinging spells and weapons 
finally got a chance to like show off what the rogue does and the rogue does it very well. And it was kind of like Mike and uh, Zenith kind of nudging uh, Lisa, who's been kind of uh, struggling with trying to like with the focus and more of a real life kind of player. Yeah, um, yeah. She finally got a chance to really see what her character was made to do besides instant killing everything she shoots at. Um, yeah. And it, it's been nice having those players that recognize like, you don't have an omnipresent, powerful person who does everything. Like everyone here is, has an individual skill. If you need a talker, you got a bard, but you also have other people with charisma. If you need someone to remember something, we got a whole bunch of people with intelligence. We got rogue for sneaky rogue stuff. We have spells that can be utilized in various ways. I mean, it's, it's good to be able to recognize and, um, and encourage the players to learn how their player is supposed to operate by giving them situations where it's their turn. I'm not saying spotlight them, but give the opportunity. And it's nice as a DM not to be like, okay, what's well, going to be so Lisa, so you like, I don't even have to mention it. Like people will understand like, well, I'm, I'm not very sneaky, but you are, you know, and that kind of like pushes along and help. And I, I hope I actually try to build scenarios and, and um, situations around utilizing everybody's ability in some way or another. Whether or not that person actually steps up to use it is kind of up in the air. I try not to like force it's your turn, but I do try to present in a way that kind of like ties in with something that relates to them. So it might trigger their mind to go, oh, that might be for me. That might be a me thing. Unless it's combat. If it's combat, it's your turn. Tell me what you're going to do. This is happening in like five seconds in game time. Yeah, that's I have a whole bunch of new players, so I'm not at the point where I'm just like and I'm not I don't rush because I'm also not a combat sim type guy. But I do expect people as we're playing to know what their character and do before their turn. Yeah. I don't want them to go. All right, you're up. And it goes. Oh, where am I? Um, where's the enemies? Uh, yeah, it's is like there that's, like, that's oh, that's where I really like stuff like uh for over the internet like Foundry VTT where yeah. it gives you a pri- it gives you a chime. It goes like being Bong, hey you're, you're up, up next, next. and yeah. you're like okay and so you it that lets you know if you mine yeah. does oh it's great so I it knows if so if you're sitting there. And you're like tuned out because two people have just had this huge, long, complex thing with their skeletons. Yeah, they're and having weapons. their like and they're having their summoned six yeah. skeletons. Yeah, the, they all yeah, moved to these positions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's doing their huge custom thing, and you're just like tuned out. And then it goes bling, you're up, and you're like, okay, cool. And that lets you start picking out what you're gonna do and get refreshed on the situation after having that little mental map break because somebody is obsessing over exact wording of a spell and you're just like oh i'm i'm okay i'm gonna wait until i can bonk somebody it was actually nice bionic babe uh printed out all of her spells so she has them constantly in front of her so she reads them that's as really she's helpful. going that's and really goes, yeah. i think i'm gonna use this one and i'm like hey you're gonna use that one and she doesn't have to go can i use this one and then i go well actually that one only targets a creature well, yeah, and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's good for new players. Like I know a lot of people will come to D and D and go, I didn't enjoy it, and I'm like, well, how did you prepare? I ask them, and they're like, well, the DM prepares. And I'm no, like, fuck how? you. And I'm like, how did you prepare to play your game? Did you look up anything for your character? Did you look up how your character would be played? Did you come up with any ideas for their backstory? Did you prepare to read the rules? Did you look at some of the basic things you might be called on and where to find them on a character sheet? Did you any of these basic things? So when players come up and start using the old grognard shit like Bionic Babe, it has the three ring binder of printed out shit. That's good. That is what you need to do as a player. If you're like, oh, I'm a wizard. 
make a spell book for real because back in the day people brought them people would bring all their spell books oh yeah they have like an actual thing that they yeah, made they that was and they'd be like yes. aha i prepared they, they yeah. put tabs on the ones they prepared well what what they did was a lot of the guys would write out their spell books but they would also write in a few reminders that they had written out so they would say like reminder this works on the following things you know so they would have like their little cheat sheet they made like a cheat sheet for all their D spells so they could be like, okay, what would I use? And he would he would like update it like a fucking restaurant menu <laughs> based on things he'd remember. Oh. Like, remember that time it put that guy on sleep? You can use sleep spell in this weird way that is technically rules illegal according to Jim on this date. And then Jim would sign it. Like it was like the complete little book. So I'm saying start doing it. I need a receipt. Yeah, I need a receipt for a DM This is going to be a plot later. I need you to sign here. <laughs> I need to sign here for a DM receipt. But no, it's it's a lot of people used to do that kind of nerd stuff, and they used to make it for their D&D characters. And I remember people would make those sort of cheat sheets for magic or their cleric spells, because cleric shit can be really confusing, because uh, some of it's patty cake and some of it's not. You know, some of it's touch text and some of it's like, I guess, gaze at them, you know, with like a disapproving, oh. like, mm, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. So at any rate, I think that pretty much wraps up the podcast. Uh, I'm old and running out of energy and this has been the black pants legion. Does anyone have anything to say? Have fun in your games. Yeah. Yes. Good luck. Have fun. Good luck. Have fun. Make your own shit. Don't make people force you to buy stuff. Just get some dice. Go steal it from Monopoly game. Just take it. Use the little hotels and the little dog and the car too. You can use those. Those can be those can That's be monsters. My familiar. Yeah, my familiar is little car. <laughs> Zoom. Anything you guys want you to say goodnight? You want to say check out the thing? Oh yeah, check out WBPL seventy six if you want to see something. Check, check out BPL out Patreon or something. There's a, there's a WBPL seventy six. WBPL 76 brought to you by Diggs. WBPL 76 brought to you by Diggs. WBPL 76 brought to you by Diggs. Good night. Remember, you can downvote a podcast on some platforms. Or can you? You can give it like a half-star review. You, You can't stop us, though.